y'all. Hi, Liz. Hey, good to see you. Uh, so episode one sixty one. Uh, what's old is new again. Uh, I'm 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 one of the hosts. I'm Edward, and you. Hey, I'm Liz. From Beyond Solitaire. There we go. All right, y'all know Liz. I mean, she's been on the podcast. She's been on YouTube. Uh, she's she's everywhere. You want to be? Are you American Express? You know, if only I were actually Express. I'm just slow at everything. <laughs> <laughs> You know the commercial. Oh, wait, no, you're young. Maybe you don't know those commercials. American Express, it's everywhere you want to be. No? No, I've seen those. Okay. I've seen those. All right. I just... I, mm-hmm. So... But hey, what's old is new again. Right. Um. <laughs> I, well, the, the... So... I see what you did there. Uh. So school <laughs> has started or... It's... It's the beginning of August. Like... Yes. How has school started... Like when we were kids, didn't school start after Labor Day? Yes, yes, it did. Or at least started in late August. But well, I had students for a full day last Wednesday. For real? Mm-hmm. Why, why is school <laughs> starting this early? Well, we do have the benefit of getting out before Memorial Day. So oh. graduation's like May 26th or something like that. So I will take it. So everything is just get... shifted a month, then basically. Yeah. Right? Okay. Yeah. Why? Do you know why that's happened? Legislators? I have no idea. I have no control of this. I only know that I uh, I do my job and the summer comes and I'm happy and then it comes back and I'm sad. <laughs> well, for, for, for folks that somehow don't know, you're, you, you, teach, you teach high school, right? I do. I teach high school Latin, speaking of making old things new again, once again. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I love teaching Latin and I love the students, but I really like being able to do what I want all day and not have to wait a couple hours to go to the bathroom. So it's just, it's an adjustment every year. <laughs> <laughs> and, and uh, before we went live, you were telling me about uh, the, the classroom pet now, right? Yeah. So uh, my bearded dragon uh, has started coming to work with me. So I have like those little one of those little beardy backpacks. It's like that clear backpack you can put the lizard in. And so I every morning I'm like, good morning, Mookie. And I put her in there. We drive to work and um, I put her in a second tank that I have set up in my classroom. And she just like gives us the side eye all day and eats bugs. And I take her out to in the sun at lunchtime and we're having a good time. She's living her best life. That's awesome. So, so a couple things. A, we have a bearded dragon as well. The oldest boy, it technically Bean. That's that's that that's not the boy's name. That's the bearded dragon's name. That'd be weird. Uh, so Bean uh, is the oldest boy's, and we uh, we Jess has one of those backpacks as well, and she uses it for the birds, like to go like similar, or or, or could use it for Bean. I think that's amazing. I think that's awesome. Uh, that's, that's so much fun. And uh, the side eye, we get side eye constantly. Yes. Yes. Bearded dragons are a lot like teenagers, except that they can't talk. <laughs> Which kind so, of. So they just. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I actually do enjoy talking to my students. So like, I remember I talked my teacher's ears off when I was a student. So I feel like it's my duty to pay it forward. Um, so even if I'm not in the best mood, if a student needs to talk, they will never know. That's hey, good on you. That's good. And, and full disclosure, we have two teenagers now and they're great. They're still talking to us. They're, 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 they still like us as best as we can tell. Um, and, but the true test, the true test comes up next week because we are going on a two week road trip. 
uh, to South Dakota <laughs> to go. So the oldest, we told her, you can go anywhere in the world. Where do you want to go? Where, where's the family trip? And she was like, I want to see Mount Rushmore. All right. That's cool. Okay. All right. We're in. So we're road tripping it. And given the COVID monkeypox and everything else that's going on out there, uh, driving feels like the right way to go about doing this to begin with, first off. And secondly, with six of us, um, that'd be a lot of expensive flights. And I don't know how it was when you were a kid, but when I was a kid, we never, I don't remember flying when I was young. Like we road tripped everywhere if we went anywhere. I flew only, I used to fly by myself to go have spring bake with my grandparents, but it was back when people could still come meet you at the gate. So right. like my mom would take me to the gate and she'd put me on the plane and then I would get off the plane and my grandma was there, but mostly we road tripped. And actually, um, I remember my grandpa had this van and I thought this was like the best van because it had a TV in it. It had a freaking TV. And so we would like be in the back of the van, like my grandparents are front driving. We'd go to like Keystone or whatever. And um, we'd watch Indiana Jones and we'd watch like Star Wars. And I have so, like, I used to think a TV in the van was like the height of luxury. <laughs> I am fair. For, for me, I remember we had a station wagon and I don't remember anything really other than lay, like sitting in the back facing away like you know you're driving this way you're you're facing yeah. the back and like looking at the cars and just looking at the landscape and we kind of want to just I, I, I'm just, I'm stupid excited to share this with the kids. Uh, like they've never, and, and it's, we're, we're going to stop at like some of the most stupid places. Not stupid, but you like the world's biggest yeah. ball of twine. Kitschy. Yeah. Oh, ridiculous. Totally. Um, <laughs> so let's see some of the things that I know for sure are on the list outside of like Mount Rushmore and crazy horse monument, which if you go to one, apparently you got to go to the other. We're going to hit the badlands while we're there and all the, all the things that we should. But then there is the National Museum of Mustard. And, and they get I would samples. go. Oh, totally. Right. There is uh, the Jolly Green Giant. We're going to hit the Jolly Green Giant. There, uh, we're, we're, we happen to be driving through Indianapolis a week late because Gen Con's <laughs> currently going on, but I'm really okay with that. Uh, but apparently there is a, a monument to the USS Indianapolis, you know, the, the one that dropped, that brought the bomb for the Enola Gay that sunk the story in Jaws, right? So it's, yeah. it's got a monument to that. I want to see that. Uh, let's see. There's an actual haunted house that we're going to stop at. And have you ever seen or read American Gods by Neil Gaiman? Yes. Yes. Okay. So apparently, I, I haven't read the book, but I've seen the show. There is a really bizarre place that they go in, is it Minnesota or Wisconsin? It's in one of those. It's like Table of the Rock or something like that. And it's like this weird fun house, weird thing. And apparently yes. it's a real place. We're going to be driving by it. So That's awesome. So we're going to do that. And there, yeah, there's just a whole bunch of, oh, oh, uh, Jungle Gyms, I think, is apparently the world's Jungle Gyms Playland? Like the world's biggest supermarket thing. Like it's okay, okay. In, in Ohio. It's somewhere in Ohio. Apparently we're going to hit that. 
we're going to stop by the the house for a Christmas story that has the leg lamp. Oh, yes. Right? I mean, like, we're doing, like, yes! And if we happen, and and, and the, the scary thing about this road trip, as which trying to be responsible adults, responsible parents, we, we have had a lot of consternation about this. Do you plan the road trip to the point to where you make reservations for a hotel? Because we're, we're, we're not camping. We're not, we're not doing any of that for this road trip. We camped last week. But so we're going to stay at, you know, motel, roadside motel. These are not going, this is not going to be like the Hilton suites. This is going to be mom and pop. A lot of that because just don't go to motel hell. Yes. Right. <laughs> and like, we're actually excited about this anyway. So we've, de we're debating, do we make reservations? But then you're kind of stuck. Do we stop at this place? Oh, we got to make so many miles in that day. That puts a limit on how much fun the show the, the the trip can be or do we do the thing that we want to do but feels really scary is we don't really make reservations we just kind of okay we might go this far somewhere in this range and then kind of look at what might be available that night and then drive until we stop driving and hope we can find a place that has room that isn't an outrageous amount of money. So option B was what we always did when I was younger. Yeah, but it's and a whole lot also, different now. It is. Although I can tell you, like, okay, I normally in my soul would have been option A earlier in my life. But um, I had a friend who was super type B. And we went backpacking through the Middle East. And we literally pulled out the Lonely Planet and, like, picked a place to look every night. And we didn't get any bus schedules. We just went to the bus station and said, where is a bus going? And it worked out fine. That's amazing. Honestly, it did. And if we it might were have just, a couple nights for you to drive too late. If it were just <laughs> Jess and I, we're totally down for that. But we have the responsibility of four kids as well. <laughs> so Try it for, like, two days. And then if it doesn't work, spend an afternoon calling ahead to everywhere else. Done. Book it, Dano. Jess, if you're listening, that's what we're doing. There we go. So, yeah, I think that's great. The, the Ironically, the first day of the drive is actually the most boring for us. There's not a whole lot on the docket between we're leaving outside of Boston, obviously, here and, uh, uh, and then driving roughly to Cleveland, Ohio, roughly thereabouts. And then from there, it's to the winds it, it'll take two to four days from that point um to drive depending on how much we decide to stop at and i'm so excited about this so yeah um i'm expecting picks or it didn't happen oh oh i i promise you there will be plenty and <laughs> and we've debated whether or not every every uh state sign you know every border crossing that we hit Every, we, we pull over, make everybody get out of the car and take a picture in front. You know, be be a silly fan. Anyway, I'm really excited, <laughs> really excited about this trip, if folks can't tell. So, anyway. That's awesome. Yeah, my yeah. favorite picture of my dad is in front of the Route 66 Crossroads sign. So, I'm a big fan of sign pictures. Yeah, all right. <laughs> See, you get it. That's awesome. All right, let's talk games. Um, 
stuff we've been playing. Uh, go ahead. I've been talking for a long time, so it's now it's your turn. So go ahead, TMB. Go for it. Sure. Okay, so I've actually been playing a lot more games recently uh, just for fun because I've started going back to game night. I actually like changed the night I had therapy because I convinced my therapist that it was so important to go to game night that we needed to change while I was having appointments. No, I think that, that's a legitimate, like, real thing. Like, I, I picked Monday nights for my, my therapy night because 90% of the time, Mondays are kind of out for our game group. So, no, totally. Yeah. I That's a legit thing. I Yeah. That's good. Good for you. So I've been I've been having a blast. You know, my uh, my game group is great in terms of everybody wants to play things that are pretty crunchy. They have things that are pretty up to date. So, you know, I've played Arc Nova. Um, that's where I picked up It's a Wonderful World, which I'm now addicted to. Yeah, we're going to talk. Uh, we need to talk about that. We, in a bit. we are. Yeah. But then Solo, uh, I've been playing a ton of Too Many Bones. And the reason for that is actually that I'm doing a video series with Chip Theory, like for their channel. So I've done several of these videos. I don't know when they're going to start running them, but I hope it's soon because I'm like super proud of the work. But I've been making gear lock guides for every single gear lock. Um, and I'm it, up through Gasket. Is that fun for you? Because it sounds like it, it, it takes some of the... I don't know, excitement or surprise out of it? Or is the, or are you having fun with that? I'm having fun. I actually feel like it's interesting because I'm... So, you know, when you do YouTube, right? You cover stuff and you move on, right? And so I love too many bones. And I always feel like, well, I need to cover something new for my channel. Because, I'm being, you know, like you want to do... You, you always feel like you have to keep it fresh. This is actually really nice because it's the longest I've gotten to just spend making stuff for one game. And so... I'm really enjoying it because it also makes me feel so much more confident in in myself as a Too Many Bones player. Like it's notorious for having somewhat tricky roles and lots of keywords and going through the process of like really getting that stuff straight in my own head is so satisfying. And then because I'm a teacher at heart, right? Like figuring out how to communicate that to somebody else is really good too. So like I'm working with um, Shannon, who is a great She's so good at rules. She's just a very detail-oriented person. I really like working with her. Um, I normally get some notes back on each video and like make some corrections. It's never been anything like massive. The only one I've gotten perfect, and I know why, is because I was so determined to get it right, was Tink. My Tink video is amazing. And so for those of you who play Too Many Buns, like just just wait. I'm really proud of it. Um, but so give give folks like because I've yet to play Too Many Bones, but uh when you, me, and JT did our uh, top solo games. Y'all were raving about this game. So give a little bit of like overview of Too Many Bones. Yeah. Okay. So Too Many Bones is they, they, they call it a dice builder RPG on the box. And I would say that's about right. So basically what happens in the game is that you have two mats that you're doing most of your stuff on. You've got your mat for your gear lock. They created like a special race, a fantasy race of creatures just for this game. Um, they look kind of like a mix between like a they're kind of gnome-ish, long pointy ears. Uh, but uh, they basically, every single character in the game has very, very different abilities um, and possibilities as a character to play. And so you can play it alone, you can play it cooperatively, but you're basically trying to make progress over time towards a tyrant who is a boss. And so every turn you're going to choose, you're going to have an encounter. Usually there'll be a choice between two things to do on the encounter card. You make your choice. Uh, hopefully you win if it's a battle. And then you get rewards in terms of progress towards the boss. And you get what I think is the most important, because this is the point of the game for me, is the training points. So basically think like the, all the joy of getting a new point in Skyrim or something. Uh, your gearlock mat has 
these little skill trees. They're called professions, but they're, they're skill trees right. uh, where you can add dice. So then you can roll for better skills. You can do more interesting things. You have more choices as the game goes. So for it, how you it's a play. true RPG in that regard, right? To where you're building yeah. up your character and making them stronger and... Yeah, absolutely. And like on easy mode, they give you a free two training points and it's like, oh, I'm in advanced mode. Don't take them. But I like to play easy mode just because I like to train my people up as high as possible. I'm just not going to turn down training point. I like <laughs> to train. Like, <laughs> So so what's the appeal for Tink? So Tink is difficult to play for a lot of people because he doesn't do very much himself. He's very squishy and he has bots. He literally builds and deploys little bots that do most of the work for him on the battle mat. So figuring out how to do that and like how the bots work and how to um, make Tink work well as a character when he feels like he's got so much going on is just uniquely challenging. And I actually was afraid to play him until I did this video series. And now I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, I got it. But it's because I had to spend all that time learning how to play Tink. That's fair. All right. How many different characters are there? And and do you have like this, I because Too Many Bones had like, like a lot yeah stuff. it's a lot so at this point how many gearlocks are there um you'll understand one day why this question is so hard for me to answer let's say 17 ish um okay that's uh, <laughs> roughly how many you have or how there. many there are so there okay. are so basically i also haven't got the new ones yet so they've got like another expansion that they did on GameFound. so i have all the ones that are currently published and then once i finish those i'll get sent the new ones that I've never. Oh, so you're played. doing one for every everything starting from the very first run. So I've done like somewhere between eight and ten of these videos at this point. And how detailed? Like, are you are you like giving people suggestions on how to make their builds? Like, okay, mm -hmm. l l for for but context, no. for like Elden Ring, which I I took a break from for a couple of weeks, but I. Elden Ring's the type to where like you you like going and watching like how do I build up my samurai type thing in yeah. in Elden Ring and so is that kind of what you're doing for Too Many Bones? Kind of. Basically, I um I did a an intro video that's like Gearlock Anatomy. Like this is what the mats generally look like. Here's some general stats they have. So if you want to know about Gearlocks, this is where you'd start. And then for each character, I'm like, okay, they have these professions. These are what these different dice do. Here's their backup plan. Here are like how those things interact together. And then um, actually Chip Theory offers a build suggestion on their, their actual character reference sheet. So towards the end of the video, I'll be like, and this is how they tell you to build. And you can figure that out from what we covered earlier in the video. So okay, basically right. it's how all the dice work, quirks of like, you know, this is how, this is a thing that you might make a mistake on. So I'll make sure I clarify this. That kind of stuff. Oh, that's awesome. Okay. So it's not like super detailed, like, oh, this weapon's better than this weapon type no. thing or whatever. It's more just mechanical, hey, this is how you yeah, you use this character or the, this build, if you will, right? Yeah. Like if you okay. go into game night and you've never played this gear lock and you want to know what to do, here it is. All right. Cool. All right. I, I'm... I'm thrilled to hear that a that you're you're able to do this right that you're able to to work with them on it, but also that you're not burning out on the game. Like for me, I couldn't do what it is you're doing because I would get so tired of the game, and I don't care if it's Age of Steam or any other. I I could not 
that much repetition on the same game like that would just I would get so bored. Yeah, too it's many buttons. Really... Fortunately, a favorite. Um, I actually, well, I felt it just of... seems my favorite too. But still, <laughs> your it, love it... isn't deep enough, Edward. <laughs> 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 and then on the Clearly lighter end, that's the problem. And then the lighter, lighter end. I've actually been enjoying. So these are like these cheap little. You know, have you seen any of the the Worthington book games? There's another person who makes these. His name is Mike Lambo, and he just self publishes these little war game game books on Amazon. They're like fifteen bucks. No, yeah, I you you would you'd put this down in the notes, and this yeah. is this is the next thing I was going to talk. About. Like I have. What the hell is this? Like, describe it. Are they like magazine, like folio games? Okay. All right. So for those of you just listening, like this is the one I reviewed already. But basically, it is Beaches it's literally a book. It's just a book. This one's got D-Day Dice vibes, which I, I like a lot. But okay. you open it up and like it looks so cheap because it is just a guy at his house. But like it's like a little map. And you just roll dice for the guys. They start at one end of the map and you just try to get them to the other end alive. But all the rules that you really need are printed on this side. Maps over here. You can write on it if you want to. So I often play with like a transparency and a wet erase marker. I, I was going to say like a little uh, uh, dry erase, little screen, yeah. little like piece of plexi or whatever, right? Exactly. Yeah. And then there's other ones that are more hexy. Okay. Yeah. So he's just got different kinds of... But basically what all these games are based on is they're very simple dice games where um, you need to provide your own dice because it's a $14 book. $14.99. And um, you roll dice, and essentially based on the rules of that particular game, you're going to have certain options for what you're allowed to do based on the dice that you rolled. And it's really that simple. But the, he's managed to iterate this a lot and like do this a lot with different maps. And I'm just getting a real kick out of them. Like for for 15 bucks, that's a lot of game. Um, a lot of these books have like probably 12, 13 missions in them. Um, they come out all the time because it's just what he does. Like since he sent me these review copies, like there've been two new release ones. And okay, I'm I'm totally checking this stuff out. Um, yeah. So Mike Lambo. Uh, yeah, uh, L A M B O, like Rambo with an L. Yeah. All right. Yeah. That's awesome. I. How did you hear about this to begin with? I reviewed Waterloo Solitaire uh, from Worthington. So Worthington's been doing book games that cost twice as much. I might add. And Mike messaged me on Facebook and said, have you played any of mine? And I said, no, but I would. And so he sent me some. <laughs> well you know, done, ma Mike. Smart. Man knows how to self-promote. And, and now it's Good. had legs all the way here. Here we go. Yeah. So, but it's, it's big in the huh. Solitaire War Game group too. Like a lot of Solitaire gamers. They're not, you know, if you want the most complex game in the world or you want something that's yeah, really Yeah, D-Day at Omaha Beach, this is not, right? No. no. But... For like a light, you know, I just want to sit down and play for like 30 minutes and I want to roll some dice and just have a nice time. Like I've taken these on an airplane now. Um, you know, they're just, That's they're portable. Awesome. Uh, I, I'm totally, uh, I'm going to order one and and check it out and uh, and stream it now and and show it to folks that I, I love this idea. That's awesome. Yeah. All right. He's, he's got his own channel where he shows you different ones. Um, so I'm going to do some reviews of each that's actually coming in the near future. But like, you know, he actually does his own teaches on his YouTube channel. And it's just called like Mike Lambo Solitaire Games or something like that. If you search for Mike Lambo on YouTube, you'll find him. And so you can actually okay. look at him, describe his own games and pick which one looks good. Yay. All right. Yeah. I'm in. Yeah, that's that's awesome. I'm glad uh, I'm glad he had the wherewithal to reach out to you so that I could hear about it and the folks here listening could hear it win all the way around 
Yes, it's good um, to spread something that's not COVID. <laughs> Too soon? No, it's been a couple of years. We can make <laughs> jokes now. Um, maybe not. But anyway, it's a wonderful uh, world. Now, this is one that you you mentioned earlier, and I think it's going to be a really nice segue. Go. Yeah. So, okay. I did not know what to expect from the title. It's a wonderful world. I do not like the It's a Wonderful Life Christmas movie. And so I was already sort of like, hmm. All right. Um, and that's a wrap. Take care, Liz. <laughs> I. Uh, <laughs> how do you not like It's a Wonderful Life? I just don't. I just don't like it. I love Christmas Story. I love Home Alone. It's a Wonderful Life is too schmaltzy for me, I think. What? I like the Dave Chappelle parody version. Oh, so it's it's too serious. It's too hard. Do you not have like a sensitive soul like I do, Liz? I do, which is not for that movie. <laughs> but it's a All right, you world. have the right to be wrong. That's okay. All right. So, it's a wonderful world unrelated. No, to totally unrelated. Movie. So, okay. it's a wonderful world is like kind of a dystopian world actually, which is sort of funny. It's called it's a wonderful world because you're not actually in a wonderful world at all. But basically, it's a card drafting game where you end up with a hand of cards and you recycle some for the materials and you choose to build some using those materials and then as you build more buildings, you produce more stuff to make more buildings and you get points. And so, you're going for the most points. But it's that feeling of there's only four rounds in the game. And you, the first round, you're like, God, I will never get anything done. And then by round four, you're like, Rah! and it's very right, satisfying right. to go from that step one to the end. And I think the other thing that's really good about it is that even if you're not very good at the game, um, it's one of those games that it's easy to set a goal. Like, I want to make sure that this building gets constructed. If nothing else, I'm going to make some kind of plan and I'm going to do it. And so you feel really engaged the whole time. So even if somebody's whooping your ass across the table, um it doesn't feel bad if that makes sense um and then it you can play totally it, does you can play it solo and they've actually just i think gen con they probably had it um they are releasing a new one to two player version called it's a wonderful kingdom where instead of just drafting there's like bad cards added in and some of the cards go into the draft face down in the two-player game so you're kind of looking at each other and you're like did you try to stick me with something bad what are you doing here Hmm. And it gets very, uh, you know, it's a, like a Meta. little more tense. Yeah. And then in the yeah, yeah, single yeah. player, they mimic that because there's like some cards that come into the draft face down and you're like, I really want these cards, but I don't know what's under there. I don't know what's under there. And then they've got like, they've got um, some modules that like give you some different kind of flavors of way to play. And I've been really enjoying it. Well, I, A, when you and I were talking about this before we went live, I was like, ooh. And you had mentioned that it's kind of a, in a way, an economic builder. Um, yeah. in Because you're using the cards uh, in that way. And I was like, oh, that actually, that sounds really good. Because you look at the cover of the box and it kind of belies the type of game it is a little bit. And yeah. that coupled with the name of the game, it sounds like you know, all happy smiles, puppy dogs and rainbows and, you know, everything that's in and not. Uh, and so, yeah, I you've piqued my interest with that. But when we you were describing it, it kind of was made me think uh, you 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 had mentioned that it was very puzzly in yes. in a lot of ways. And the game that I most recently played uh, the other day, two days ago, was heading forward. 
from John Dubois in Hollenspiel. I'd never heard of this one. And it's a game about recovering from a uh, traumatic brain injury. Ooh. Right, right there. That was exactly my, and I was like, oh? Well, like, you said it was from Hollenspiel. I already knew it would be interesting. If Amabel chose to publish it, it's interesting. Right. So. Um, some are better than others. I mean, and that goes for everybody, even Slaughter. Yeah. But uh, but when I heard, uh, so uh, Shrey turned me onto this, and he was like, "So I brought this. It's a so- uh, solo only game, and it's about you have uh, experienced a traumatic brain injury." And uh, Newsflash, the designer, actually, this hits home because he has, or I believe has. Recovered as much as you can, I guess, from a traumatic brain injury. And so this this is something that he can relate to. And so you've had this traumatic brain injury. And it's a super simple game mechanically as well as component wise. It's just a little like mat that is basically a calendar that is has a couple of tracks on it as well as the calendar and the calendar represents how many rounds um and easy medium hard i got housed when i played the first time at medium um i would recommend starting on easy but and a deck of cards and a couple of uh you know the like wooden punch out but not punch out things kind of like old school victory point game, like those kind of wood burnt, but they're not. Yes. The laser cut. Yeah. It's kind of like that, but they're not wood burnt. Anyway, they're spoons and little green rectangles that represent money. And that's it. And those are your resources and you're playing, you get the, uh, you get a deck of cards, you set this up and basically you're trying to go through therapy and, try to uh, make it to the end or the through the fourth level of progress in four different in three of the four different areas and you advance these cards so you play a card and you spend some resources and then you do you get more spoons or you get more money or and it represents going through different things like writing a grocery list and then eventually going to the store and shopping using that grocery list which thematically, I mean, it obviously it's a board game or a card game in a sense that you're not knowing what it's like to go through a traumatic brain injury, obviously. But when I was able to like uh, make it all the way through one of the four, the victim, I was like, yes, yes. Or when I was able to puzzle together how to play this card, then this card and this card to where, oh, hey. I was able to advance this other card or get this extra spoon, which represents the amount of energy that you have to be able to do things, spoon theory. And it's like those little victories. And John came on the stream and he was like, I tried to represent how you really do celebrate these little victories when you remember to do so. And I was like, yeah, as well as the frustrations of why can't I do this simple thing? And he's like, exactly. And I was like, this is so clever. And it's such a simple mechanical or a series of mechanisms that just work so, so well together. I was I was blown away at how well the theme comes through in a frustration and victory steps 
it through that and how well it it just made you feel that yeah i completely smitten with that game so heading forward really really enjoyed that really enjoyed that i've got to try that that sounds that sounds both really interesting as a game experience and it, it kind of speaks to my teacher's heart you know um even among teachers you know you'll get somebody who's like why can't that kid just sit still why can't you just do this math problem and it's like it's very rarely uh that's that's usually never the right question right it's yeah. it's there's what's underlying what's causing that and yeah, yeah it, it it was again it's it's not a hard game mechanically but man the and i and i i was kind of raving about this a little uh during the stream about how and i've said this in so many times whether it's it, it's been a lot of like uh hollenspiel type games like whether it's the vote or um uh, this guilty land how this hobby has progressed to the point to where it's not monopoly risk in life it can be about these really hard-hitting real life topics that aren't always fun um but always are thought provoking and maybe make you want to research things whether it's a war game whether it's a historical game or whatever it may be um the cost right about asbestos mining and stuff like i love where our hobby is at in that regard and i think it's it's amazing how people come up with this stuff and i'm in awe of the designers and publishers that are willing to take the risks to do these not puppy dogs and ice cream games yeah all same the time. here honestly i wouldn't have a podcast um if it weren't for games like this um, same I should probably... That was the impetus for Heavy Cardboard, too, was this obscure, esoteric, weird stuff, as well as all the yeah. other things. Yeah. Yeah. And I love games for fun, but I also don't actually think there's such a thing as just a game. Every single game is some sort of expression of our culture or who we are right now, or as you play, who you are right now. And I think that stopping to appreciate that and think about how far you can push it has a lot of value. Yep. Totally agree. All right, so moving on. Um, you 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 had a couple other small games, right? That you had mentioned one good, one not so good. Yeah, I mean, yeah, because I've been going back to game night. I've been playing a bunch of little partyish games. There's one I actually ordered for my classroom. Um, it's called So Clover, like. Haha, ha, very funny. Oh, right. uh, but I, you know, I played it at game night this past week and I was so charmed by it. And I also saw so much possibility for it as a language game. So if you like words, you'll like this game. But basically, this is the weirdest looking thing, but it worked great. Um, everybody gets like a little player board. It's like a plastic four leaf clover and a dry erase marker. And you also get these little cards. It's like a little square with a hole in the middle of it. And there's a word on each side. So you randomly, and there's like hooks on the clover. So you randomly make like a little grid of words so that there's two words next to each other on each side, but you they're random and you don't know how well they're going to match up. But you have to write a word that can somehow point to them both. Um, so some are easier. Like I got jungle shadow. So I wrote panther. Um, I had one that was like picture and luck. So I wrote shot. 
And I was just thinking like, okay, what, what would work here? Um, but then you have to take them all off, those four cards that you did have after you've written your words. They put a fifth card in there that's like a spoiler. And then everybody else in the group has to figure out what configuration of words you had. So you better have left good clues because it's a cooperative game where they're trying to st- trying to understand what you were thinking. That's clever. <laughs> or it's, I'm it's sorry, clover. clover. <laughs> but I loved it because I was thinking, ooh, this would be really cool for you know, almost as an educational game too, but one that's not overtly educational. I don't like games that are like, we're going to learn something from this game. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Roll and move and do the math problem to get a point. Like, no, 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 no. Um, I would rather die than do that to my students. (laughs) (laughs) No, this sounds like a really, it it has real world application in in that regard. Yeah, I think my Latin 5 kids might be able to handle it for Latin as well, which would be really cool. Like I could just make a version of it for my classroom and put little Latin vocab words along the sides and just see what happens. If it's a disaster, like that's fine. They'll find it hilarious anyway. Um, and I'll just take the blame for it. So no big deal. Um. <laughs> I, you're going to, at some point you're going to have to report back this year and let me know how that worked. Yeah. I've got a lot of hopes for gaming in my classroom in the next couple of years. We'll see how it goes. Cool. Um, but then I played, okay, Everybody Swore It Would Be Fun, an introduction game. It's called Grim Masquerade. And I can see how people would like it, I guess. But I just didn't. So um, everybody is like a character from a fairy tale. And like you have this deck of cards that have different items on them. And one of them is your boon. And you try to get three of that one. And one of them is your bane. And you try not to get two of them. Because if you do, you have to reveal yourself. And then, you know, that's bad. And you're trying to figure, you're trying to like call people out and get points for doing that. Like, oh, are you Hansel? Are you the big bad wolf? Um, what I didn't like about it was that it just wasn't that interesting, frankly. And then um, because you have to draw cards off of a deck, sometimes you just accidentally end up with your Bane card for no reason. And so you can get out of the game just from bad luck. And that I don't like because if it's supposed to be a deduction game, that's about wits and like having some fun with things then I just didn't like that you could arbitrarily be screwed by the game's mechanisms instead of by somebody else like getting you like a little stab with a velvet glove or something like that. Like if it's going to be vicious, make it so. (laughs) Though I've always said that the worst thing you could ever call a game is boring or uninteresting. And because you can't fix that. My other one is it was acceptable. (laughs) (laughs) uh so we have we have a guy in our in our group dan uh who who writes for uh opinionated gamers and he's so dan um the 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 perfectly cromulent is is his go-to for that and yeah it's it's fine tolerable it was tolerable yeah (laughs) okay so, all right. Um, so on that note, uh, I have a couple, uh, three little games that I can talk about in, in quick succession. Blue Moon City. It's old school Kinesia. Uh, eh. I just, I, 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 it just, the theme is, is silly. Um, you have a grid of tiles and you're just moving around collecting and it's a race game. By default, I don't like race games. Uh, like it's the first one to get for, um, I don't even remember what they're called, but basically you have to get to the center of the map and then you can pay uh, resources and first one to be able to do that four times or or buy four of those things. 
And nah, not didn't really grab me. Like there, there are some amazing Canizia games. To me, Blue Moon City, not not one of them. Celestia we played is just kind of a hey, we're waiting for folks to show up. And everybody it, it kind of in a positive way reminded me of lifeboats. Lifeboat or lifeboats? They're mean kicking people out of the boat. It's gotta uh, be just one, game. right? Because it's like one boat that you're kicking everybody out of. Yeah, ma- it's so lifeboat, I guess. Yeah. But this one, it's uh it's a one boat. game where everybody has a hand of cards. Uh, that are uh, basically f- uh, four different suits. Uh, whoever the captain is rolls a couple of dice or two, three, or four dice, and it progressively gets harder. And people clockwise from that player have to decide, uh, are they going to stay? Do they think that the captain can have those cards, whatever they rolled, whether it's a blank or one of those four suits? And do do they think that the captain has those cards that he can play or they can play to be able to advance and then the next player is the captain. And then you just go around the table. Hey, I'm staying in or I'm getting out. If you get out, you get a card from that area that it's a range of points that it could be. It was fine. Um, it was silly and it was, it, it's whatever. It's it's fine. We'll leave it at that. However, on a positive note, uh, recently played a couple of, uh, new maps for mini express. So, uh, Mo ideas had reached out and said, Hey, we have a couple of new maps coming out for mini express. Are you interested in doing them? I was like, yeah, I, I like the game. The, the base game was solid. It was fine. It was, it was a step up from fine. Right. Mo ideas, I think puts out interesting games pretty much always. And these two maps that we played were great Britain and Taiwan. And the first time we played Great Britain, we we misinterpreted a rule for the the London Underground, the subway. And when we played it right, really enjoyed it. It was it was actually really good. And the the hook in Mini Express is on your turn you can do one of two things. You can either build track. It's 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 a cube rails game essentially. Uh, you can either build track in any of the train companies, or you can. Uh, purchase a share and the cost of the share is how many trains are available to be built for that company whether it's between like zero and i think it's five maybe six depending on which company and that's it and you play until a couple of the companies are out of trains and then you count up uh, your points based on investments and and who did better in investing in the various companies the great britain map i thought was quite good however the Taiwan map was fantastic, legitimately great. And it does, it it definitely has, it adds a, a reasonable amount of overhead for the rules. Mini Express is not a complex game. The rules that it adds on, not complex, but given it basically adds about 50% more rules for Mini Express, which again, still not a lot, but it was so compelling and so interesting in the way that the map develops and the way that the Japanese investors come into Taiwan and how that's represented. It just it made for a really, really compelling and very tight game. And yeah, super excited to get a published version of the Taiwan map, especially, but also really enjoyed the Great Britain map for Mini Express. This one's nice. Yeah, I, I enjoyed that. And then the other stuff that I briefly will talk about 
Uh, power Grid with stock companies. Classic. So I love Power Grid. I love 18XX. The stock companies tries to turn Power Grid into a super, super light version of an 18XX. But it kind of felt like it took all the compelling things of Power Grid, made those not compelling, and added a light version of a shared incentive game that left me somewhere in the middle between those two. And I'm, it was fine, but I just, the more I've sat with it and the more I've thought about it, I just feel like what we played wasn't power grid. It completely takes power grid and it turns it into something that isn't power grid. And here's the thing. The fact that it played in two hours on stream with four players is commendable. That's good. But past that, if I want to play Power Grid, I'm not playing with the stock companies. If I want to play an 18XX, I'm probably going to play a shorter 18XX. So this falls in this weird middle ground that I it turns it into something I don't want it to turn into. So yeah. wasn't a huge fan. It wasn't terrible, but it wasn't great either. So that's the stock companies. Play more ages. Yeah, I think that's a that yes. Yes, I I at at best, I would say. At best. Play more Age of Steam, always a win. And then we played uh a game called Forwarder of Xanadu. And this came out at Essen three or four years ago. And I was really it really kind of piqued my interest then, and then it got lost in the shuffle. And we recently played it again, kind of rem- reminiscent superficially of Yokohama. And, but the more we've played Forwarder of Xanadu, the more we've enjoyed the game. It's one of those, when I first played it, I was like, the artwork's a little bit weird, but I'm curious. Then we played it and I'm like, "Eh." played it again. And now we played it a third time. And I was like, actually, yeah, this isn't, yeah, this is kind of, kind of good. It's not great, but it was esoteric. It was rare. It's, you know, obscure. And so played it and enjoyed it, but didn't love it. So, yeah. Yeah. I think that's true. That's kind of my roundup. I'm of the opinion that most games that exist are fine. Yes. And then the the trick is looking for the ones that are better than that. Yeah. I I think it's a a bell curve weighted towards the left side of the bell curve. Like the, I guess by default, it's even on both sides. But like the fine to not great is the majority of games i agree question is that because you and i have been doing this for so long and so we're a little bit more i don't necessarily want to say jaded but discerning i would say that there's something to that because i remember when i first really got into this hobby and just jumped in um it really felt like everything was great and i think part of that is that you're watching youtube to get a sense of what to buy and everybody wants to sell you something i mean it's not necessarily i'm not like putting a judgment on that i'm just saying that like everybody's excited about games all the time on games media and so until you have calibrated who you actually have taste in common with it's easy to feel like you have to get everything and like everything should be good and maybe you should enjoy everything and you're so excited that maybe you really do enjoy everything for a while and then then it gets to the point where it's like okay well if i'm going to continue in this hobby i need to buy fewer games because my god my bank account died in the past couple years 
Um, and then it's also, you know, I want to spend my game time playing what I really, really like as opposed to what's okay. And I've played enough games to have a sense. And now I'm going to ask you to put your reviewer hat on is do you only do you feel an obligation to play games that even you feel would fall outside of that for you? Um, so if somebody sends me a review copy, I will eventually get to it. Um, I try not to spend money on games that I don't think I'm going to like just because it's my money and I'm not going to do that. If you want to send me something at your own risk, that's fine. But um, I don't expect to dislike a game when I pick it up. Does that make sense? Like, I've never been like, wow, that game's hot, but I'm pretty sure I wouldn't like it. Let me buy it so I can take a giant dump on it on my channel. Like, that's never going to look... I'm not much of a hater in that way. But um, if a game disappoints me, you're going to know. Right. And I do feel obligated to report on what I have played, honestly. So I've never, like, played a game, thought it was eh, and then felt bad and pulled the punch and just pretended it was never here. Does that make sense? I will do the review. I, hmm, that's that's an interesting take on that. I, I feel, and this is something I've said from the jump from the very beginning that I can tell you that a game is crap without being disrespectful to the designer, publisher, developer, and all of that. I can always, I, I mean, the tagline on the show, fair, honest, and thorough. And I feel like we can do those things. I can tell you it's crap without being disrespectful, without being. Yeah. However, if, and it's rare that this has happened, but it has happened to where I cannot find enough positives to be balanced on something that I would rather not talk about a game than feel like I'm going to unnecessarily be heavy handed because that's what the game offered. So I chose not to talk about it. That has happened less than that many times, less than a handful of times. But yes, that has happened. And I don't feel like that's being dishonest or hiding it. It's if I don't think I can do a good enough job of the standards that I've set, then I think that I think I don't want to be unnecessarily harsh. And I would have to be. And I don't want to be that. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, totally. I think that you can be disrespectful even when you thought something was a pile of garbage, as long as you don't say that about that thing specifically. Um, I'm really big on, I can appreciate that a lot of effort was put into this, but, or like, <laughs> this just didn't well, work for me. No, I can, uh, sure, sure. <laughs> I can say these same things. I hear you, but, and, and, and the, the, the peanut galleries, uh, yeah, we're, we're watching. We're 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 seeing y'all in the peanut gallery. So if there's something apropos, we will we will interact with it. Um, but yeah, I I don't want to. I I mean, there's one that jumps to mind that I won't mention. But for the most part, I have gotten to the point now. Let's put it this way: I don't necessarily feel obligated to play games that I think are going to be crap. What where I fall on this now is I have the 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 show is at the point to where enough will reach out to me to where I don't need to do a lot of reaching out but there is some 
that if I if I reach out to you, I'm going to cover the game in some form or, you know, whatever it is that we talk about. Yeah. And if you reach out to me and I agree to it, then I'm going to cover it in some form or fashion, whatever we've agreed to, whatever. Right. If you just send it to me. No obligation. None. No obligation there. Right. And and so we'll see. And here's the thing. I we actually had this conversation. Uh, Jess and I had it yesterday and then we had it uh, amongst our group here recently that I just want to play games that are exciting. Like I want to be excited about a game. And that's rare. Heading forward, kind of scratch that. Like that, that was one that kind of got me excited, right? Even though it's not a heavy game by any stretch, but it was a, it was a off the beaten path theme and like something that it gave me a reason to be excited. John Company too. I was excited about big, A, it's Cole, but also the fact that, uh, he did such a good job of re-implementing and making a new version of PAX Premier Second Edition. I'll be honest, John Company, the original, I was like, I appreciate it, but it's not a game that I'm ever clamoring to play. John Company 2, I was like, oh, maybe he's made this to where now I'm, and honestly, that's exactly where I fell on that one. So I'm like, yeah, all right, I'm excited. So I want that. I want, yeah. And so I can be a little bit more discerning when it comes to that, both for myself as well as the show. But inevitably, there is still going to be games to where you're like, I don't know how this is going to be, but yeah, let's go ahead and play it. That was me for Butoku. Mm -hmm. And I was like, when we were learning the game first, we were getting taught it by, I think it was Shrey or Dan or somebody was teaching. And I was, the amount of overwhelming nomenclature just the words that they were using for things was just so over we were ken and i were sitting here laughing like oh god really there's more and it was just so overwhelming that i was like oh this is gonna be a design oh no actually it turned out to be a pretty decent game but it was just it was it was a game that i was like uh i really don't want okay we'll play it sure yeah And I imagine you encounter that as well, right? Yeah. I mean, basically, if you're teaching it to me, I'll try it. Sure. Um, You know, um, if I have to do all the legwork myself, I'd prefer it be something that I have some sort of inherent interest in. But, you know, you can, you know, you can get to where you can tolerate anything, really, for the sake of, you know, trying it. Because I sort of feel like once you've decided that you are doing this as, I guess at this point, I could call it semi-professionally um you know once once that's what you do um then you do have more obligations to be willing to try stuff at least that's how i feel about it but of course you know i I feel that way because i review games if i was just like i know that you know if you're rado rado focuses on what he thinks that he and his wife are gonna like and that's Mm -hmm. a legit way to do it um you know my own uh coverage has shifted towards the more historical and so basically if it's a historical game and i don't necessarily think it's gonna be great but it's got an interesting premise i'll try it i have gotten to the point where i'll just turn down stuff that i don't think looks like something i'd play anymore um if it's not in my wheelhouse then i don't i don't necessarily need it but if you you know if i'm at game night i'll try it if i'm at a convention i'd try it if you said it was great i'd probably believe you um (laughs) 
I appreciate that. Thanks. <laughs> uh, but see, it, it's funny because mine has kind of ebbed and flowed in like kind of, you know, that same way to where, yeah. you know, oh, heavy cardboard. So it's only heavy games. Yeah, not really. Right. And medium and heavy. And so it's funny, like there was a time that I felt really responsible. I felt an oblig ah, an obligation to yes. only focus on this stuff. And I wasn't enjoying it anymore. And so then it got to the point to where I, it was coming through that I w really wasn't enjoying the hobby anymore and it became work. And this is even at some point, it, I, I've had this a couple of times and people reminded me that, look, play the games you want to play, enjoy the stuff that you're, you, you know, and, and, and people are going to, uh, enjoy that content from a show standpoint. And so that's what I started to do. And I found that I'm actually enjoying it more when I'm able to, I mean, it's not as broad as something like the dice tower with that, where they cover, you know, yeah. from basically kind of where we start and <laughs> lighter, right. Kind of, yeah. there's some overlap obviously because the dice tower is, you know, but using them as a, as a, you know, they, they, they do everything from the super light party game stuff all the way up and to a certain point anyway, but I, I, I've learned that, yeah, it, people want to see or you enjoying yourself yes, and, and exploring the space that you want to explore. And that has been really an important thing for me to re-embrace. And, and that's, that's, Honestly, that's how the the podcast has come about again. That 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 whole enjoying doing it the way I want to do it. That that vigor, that enjoyment, that excitement comes yes. through because you can't fake that, or you can only fake it for so long. People are smart. People will be able to tell when you're full of crap and you're just fronting. And yeah, this is and I, it's it's important for content creators especially to be able to do what it is they want to do because yes. that passion, you can't fake passion and you can't fake that excitement. And so, yeah, I think that's really important that, uh, and talking about like with what you just said that you've gotten to the point to where you're like, nah, not really. No, I just don't want that. Yeah. Well, I mean, and it's, know, gi it's given us freedom. It has play what we want to play and show off what we want to show off in a positive way. Not necessarily that all the things we cover are positive, but right. but it, we're positive, positive in a sense that we're able to be excited about what it is we're covering, even if we didn't fully enjoy it. Yes. And actually, this, this also harkens back to um, when we were talking about podcasts like seasons before we started this so right. um I, I do reviews i do tutorials and i think that pretty much most people who subscribe to my channel subscribe for those things and so i make sure to provide them and i do enjoy them but my podcast is my absolute joy i love my podcast it is i don't even care if it's the least popular thing that i do i just love it and um you know, I keep myself loving it by limiting myself to 20 episode seasons and then forcing myself to take at least one month off before I start another. Because I never want to get to the point where I'm feeling kind of strung out, like I have to put something out. Actually, um, I've been really, really good this summer 
and a school starts, I'm worried about it. Like one thing I'm, I'm always concerned about with my channel and one of my biggest weaknesses is making sure that I'm putting out videos on schedule regularly. And I have a very strong tendency to burn out from school and not put anything out for a little while. And I don't like that about my channel. I don't like that about myself, but it is something that happens. And I want to make sure that that never, ever, ever happens with the podcast because I just value it too much. And I also want to stand by every single episode and like, I never want to put like a bullshit episode in there that I just needed an interview and I just let whoever on that, on my baby. <laughs> and so I think I'm, that's, I'm that's very a great protective. way to be. Um, and I'm trying really hard to bring some more of that ethos to other things that I do, but it's just, you know, you know, you know how this is like your, your livelihood comes from doing a board game channel. And that means that you can't slack too much. You have to have consistent, like, the algorithms reward consistency. Mm -hmm. And so having to figure out how to do that while not becoming overly strung out is, I think, like, the challenge. It's a, I mean, it's 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 a balance, just like anything in life. Um, yeah, it's, it's, sometimes you hit on it, sometimes you miss, sometimes it ebbs and flows and cause we're all human and we're all dealing with our own stuff and it's a struggle at times. Like I, I don't care who it is out there in any kind of line of work. You, uh, there are days that you nail it and there are days that you just don't and yep. not from lack of give a crap or maybe it is lack of give a crap on some days uh, depending on where you are in your life maybe but yeah it's it's i am blessed I, I i'm not a religious guy but i i very much feel very fortunate uh to be able to do what it is i do and i do the the best i can but i fail at this all the time, it feels like. And I am always striving to be better, whether it's consistency, whether it's uh, quality of the content, whether it's some aspect of it I'm working on and really want to focus on. And it's uh, it's a never if you care about it, it's a never ending struggle. Yeah. So well, I think that you struggle because you care. Like if you're willing to just putting schlock out, then it would be easy. Yeah, um, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> it's uh, yeah. Um, but I think, I think passion win, wins out in the end. You have to, and, and, and you have to also baby, not babysit, but have enough self awareness to recognize, or at least have people around you that can help you recognize when either things are going astray or you're burning out or whatever. And yeah, I self-care is important even when it, it, yes, the playing board games for a living is awesome, but we're yeah, but all there's human. No such thing as a job that doesn't stress you out. Right. And, once and you, anybody once who you says, have a job, <laughs> stress happens. And, and anybody who says, once you have a job, you love, you never work a day in your life or shit. You work yeah. harder at that than you ever worked at anything in your life and far and away. It's yeah. Tony 
Tony Boydell's in chat with us today. Hi, hi everybody. Hi, Tony. He says a solitaire game player must have a different view on the industry. So surely reviews, good and bad, are essential for exposure at that player count. Plenty of multiplayer reviews, but we need much more solo game content, good and bad. Uh, and he says designing pure solo is a whole different headspace than it is for design, like adding on a solitaire mode for a multiplayer game. And I think that's fair. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I think, I mean, predominantly what you cover is mostly solo stuff. I mean, not yeah. entirely. Yeah, I occasionally review something else. I yeah. throw solitaire specific games and solitaire modes tagged on things both into my channel. Um, I will say we are at a point where I think a lot of people feel like they have to have a solo mode and sometimes that's a mistake. So actually, so I'm not, I don't want to come at this game too hard. I thought it was actually a good game multiplayer and it's designed by my good friend, David Thompson, but I didn't think the sniper elite solo mode needed to be there. And I said so in a review that I sent him on face chat. He was fine with it. Like, <laughs> well, and here's the thing. So, okay. Especially with COVID and everything that we have gone through. Oh, we, as a hobby, have gone yeah. through over the last couple few years now. Solitaire gaming has come into the forefront a lot more. And so yes. it used to be, oh, it's got to I, I it's got to be able to play two players, you know, back in the day. And now it's it's got to have a solo. And here's the thing. Does it does it does if it? it's not if it's not going to be great, why do it? Right, because you know what I don't ever find myself wanting to do. If a game plays one to five, but really it's a four or five player game, you know what I'm not going to do? Play it one to three. Yeah. Yeah, you just wait until you have four to five players. Right. If I want, if if we have, if, if I'm solo or whether it's two or three, I'll play a game that caters to that better. I want a more enjoyable experience. I, I don't understand that. I get. There's so many games at this point that are great at certain player counts. There's yes. a ton of solo games. There's a ton of every player count you have. If the board game industry ended right now, you would have a lifetime supply of great games at whatever player count you want there to be. So why does a game have to have? If it's only going to be mediocre, why do it? See, my answer is it doesn't have to have it. And, uh, you know, I, I, I want to play, you know, I, I work full time. I want to have a great time when I play games. I don't want to have an okay time when I play games. And part of that is if I'm playing with other people, their company helps. But when you're playing solo, all you got is you in the game. So that game better be good because there's no sparkling personality to make up for it. <laughs> It has to stand on its own in a, in a different kind of way. Because you can play something together that's just totally stupid when you're with your friends and it doesn't matter because you're with your friends. But if right. you're playing it by yourself, there has to be enough there to be worth playing that game by yourself. Because... And it, you know. and it there has to be a big enough challenge. Yes. Yeah. Because if you're playing a solo game that's just too easy, you're going to play it once and that's that, right? Yeah. And... Absolutely. So, no, I I appreciate the work that goes into various designs, whether it's solo or multiplayer. But I, I almost was convinced 
that every game could play, you know, that you could add, put. No, I've come back around to where I, I still think that I want to play a game at its best, allowing it to put its best foot forward. Yeah. Well, like, like, a game isn't a marriage. You don't have to love that game in all of its forms for the rest of your life. Like, you get to just want the game at its best. <laughs> that's it, because you can pull out other games. I don't know of a whole lot of people out there that only own, like, five or ten games. If somebody has even a very tidy 25 games, let's say, I, I think that's... That's the exception. Most people in this hobby have more than 25. But let's go with 25 games. I think that's fair, right? I, yeah. I don't think that's I don't think that's uh reaching people that there a lot of people hearing huh, 25, that's all. But my <laughs> point is, even if you had 25 games and you wanted games that are one to four players, right? You're looking at five games you could play at every player count that is Amazing at that player. Yes. So, yeah, don't force things. And I think Kickstarter is probably the, the worst culprit or it has, has fed yeah. that. I would agree. And, you know, we as consumers do it too. Because, like, what do I ask every time there's a Kickstarter and every other solo gamer does it too? Is there going to be a solo? Like, I'm I'm not saying that I'm above that because I'm 100% ask. Is there going to be a solo? Like, oh, I want to know. Same. <laughs> But, but should we, we, when we ask, we create the feeling there has to be, and then sometimes it just disappoints everybody. <laughs> but that's actually why I feel an obligation to review things that I play maybe more, I think, than some, because the thing that's hard about reviewing solo games is that a game can be great, but it can have a trash solo, and the people need to know. Um, if you don't say anything, um, then, you know, you can't go to BGG and see just the solo score. You can only see the score. Of what everybody thought of a game. And so yep. if you're not helping that solo player out, then they can look at it and be like, is this great because it's great for four players or is this great because it's going to be great for me? And, you know, I feel like I have a specific responsibility in our community to make sure to help people make that call. And I think that's commendable. And I think you do a great job with that. And I think that is important because, and, and we do the same from a standpoint of, okay, we try and play it across the player count so that we can talk about it. And I, I enjoy solo games thanks to really, I got heavy into it during COVID and how much uh, a game can really shine yeah. at various player counts, but especially solo. I mean, like you take 1862, which is my favorite solo game of all time. And I wouldn't have thought like I if I had never played it, I would never think that that could possibly be that good solo. Right. right. Just on the surface. And but so. I haven't played it. But from what I understand, it also took some imagination. Right. Because it's not it doesn't play the same as the multiplayer game. Somebody. has. Oh, to no, it's, those components. It's, it's completely different. However, it still gives the feel as if you had played multiplayer, but without like any kind of bot or AI yeah. to it in that regard. It's you just doing, but just the way the mechanisms work in the solo game, it's apples and giraffes, but yeah. it still feels like I played a multiplayer game. 
Um, but it's it's so well done. And I never, ever, ever would have thought that just from like, oh, it's an 18. How could that possibly be good solo? Right? Yeah. Well, this is why I'm really excited about um, John Coe. So I haven't got to play it yet, but um, I do think a review copy will eventually darken my doorstep. And I cannot wait because, first of all, I love Cole's work. But also, you know, Ricky Royal has, he's got a perfect batting average with me so far. Hopefully he keeps it. I'm very excited about trying this experience out because it's it's got an interesting solo. So so I have. Uh, I, I I was fortunate enough when when Cole came out to visit uh, friends out here. He he made a stop uh, by CHQ, dropped off a copy of John Company Two, and we streamed it. And uh, it was it was great. It was really great. Um, I think it definitely was an improvement myself. Right. I it, it's a game that I'm excited to play more, and it. It made sense more so, and it it was, it felt more, more of a game and less of an experience than the first mm. version of it. Like it was just, it felt so unwieldy. The original that this felt more procedural, and the way my brain works for his games that just that fit right. Yeah, and it worked really well. And we have since played it again. We enjoyed it. Although we are running into the problem of we don't know how to actually make the company work well and how not to tank <laughs> the company. We're, we're, we're not succeeding really well. We're 0 for 3 on the game actually making it to its normal end. But we're playing it tomorrow. And then we're going to, people are asking, we're going to be streaming this on Thursday. This is the last stream before the show goes dark for two weeks. So we're going to stream it again on Thursday, uh, multiplayer as well. I, he, the way he made it sound, the solo version of this feels just the way he made it sound feels a little flow charty, like a, uh, like a coin game. And I'm a little bit, yeah, okay. Uh, so I'm a little apprehensive about it, but I'm curious to see how it goes. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm looking forward to it. So I have a dirty confession. Since we're on a podcast, I'll just blast this to the world. Okay, so I've got a copy of Oath that was sent to me as a review copy to cover the solo mode, and I just haven't done it yet because I've heard so many people talk crap about solo mode that I want to play it multiplayer first so I can actually understand what it is that I'm assessing. That's actually another thing I've been trying to bring into my reviews recently is if I can play it multiplayer with others as well as solo, I try to, so that um, I get a sense of what might be missing. Well, um, but I need, I need to get Oath to the table. Just move up here and problem solved. Okay. <laughs> it's not as hot only... here as it is down there. I'm just saying. Oh, my boyfriend would be so happy if we moved north. Truly. Oh. <laughs> Just saying. Although it's stupid expensive up here. Anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. No. Oath. Oath has been a eight total. And it's really starting to really kind of hit its groove for us in a, in a positive way. But it's not a game that I ever want to play on the regular outside of once every six eight weeks at most mm. it's just yeah it's just a once in a while game that with the same group feels really good 
but I just don't want to play it all the time. Even right. though I'm loving our games of it, it's just not one that's ever going to want to hit the table all the time. And I think the four of us all feel the same about that. Like we've all really enjoyed it. And the two of them, uh, Alyssa and Ken have tried it with their other game groups and it's been a colossal fail. Their entire group just was like, nope, not us. No, thanks. Nope. Don't like it. Yeah. I mean, I, I appreciate a good swing for the fences, so I'm looking forward to trying it. I just didn't feel right reviewing it for solo mode with my suspicions that it, I mean, you know, you never know until you play. So I'm trying, but I want to see the game at its best first. So I don't just play solo. And, and It's going to require a few games multiplayer for that to happen. Yeah. And we all collectively, I think, feel that four is a pretty good player count at this point for that. Uh, it could play more, but I don't know that we would want it to because the it would go a little long and the and the downtime between turns would be too much. Right. But at four players, if you can, definitely recommend it. Um, but yeah, that I haven't even considered playing it solo, but I guess I should. Um, not not obviously not to steal any thunder from you because God yeah. knows well, you and I have overlap. But we could play it alone together. You could just stream it and I'll be your little co-pilot. Like, didn't you ever play Like, Mike Kelly and I played a game like that once. It was our preview for Hoppelmachus Victoria. We just played it together, but we were t just talking to each other the whole time. It's like little kids playing a video game. You just pass the controller back and forth. It's fun. <laughs> you know what? It's funny you mentioned that because I've had a couple of folks offer to do that for, like, D-Day at Omaha Beach, right? Because I'm intimidated as all get out, but I desperately yeah. want to play that game. Oh, and... I have an update about that. Come back to that in a minute. <laughs> okay. And so that idea, you know what? I think we should make that happen. I love that idea. I think people would really enjoy it. So um, let me write that down. Uh, let's see. Multiplayer, multiplayer, solo, oath with Liz. Done, booked, done. It's written down, so <laughs> it has to happen. Okay. All right. Talk. Uh, DJ, oh, Omaha Beach. So Okay, so I have a new Patreon. It's very new. Um, there are people other Go than my mom. support it, y'all. There are people other Wait. than my mom who are giving me things on Patreon. But I posted my first poll. So I want to do... I do these series occasionally called Dr. D Teaches that are, like, very intense tutorials. Like, as opposed to just... I just... I'll make, like, a how to solo video for whatever. But, like, I'm really proud of my Time of Crisis videos that I made for the last time I did this series. They are bomb, and you should check them out. They were super good. Um, I'm I appreciate that you have enough confidence in your work that you're, like what check it out because it was amazing so i put up a poll on my patreon and it was perfectly tied until somebody just broke this tie but i offered to do another dr d teacher series and i gave three options cuba libre d-day at omaha beach and too many bones and currently too many bones is ahead by one vote but like there's only like seven votes because it's a new patreon so i mean the the people who actually give me money are few and powerful um, so <laughs> <laughs> they swing Stick. Okay. But um, but for earlier today, I was like, oh my god, I'm gonna have a three-way tie, and I could still end up with that. It's like, then what do I do? But D-Day and Omaha Beach is on the plans. I just, you know, I might have to do something else first, but it's pretty interesting. Like, there's clearly even interest in all those games, so I guess I just have to get to them in order. <laughs> That's all. But here's the thing. If it's a tie, <laughs> you get to choose the order. So you get to do yeah. it in the order you want to do it. So that's good. Exactly. Exactly. Um, on that note, you know what? I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. It. 
I'm very harsh on myself. Like I think most of my teachers are eh, like I can I can I can pick them apart pretty easily. You know what one I'm actually really, really proud of now that you mentioned that was my teach for Race for the Galaxy. Oh, that's such uh, a tough one to get people to do too. That's a good one to have a good teach for. Yeah, I'm pretty uh so Tom Lehman, um he 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 actually he actually said, Okay, that was that was pretty good. And I was like <laughs> So yeah. <laughs> Look, for for that being such a tiny little game, however that teach whoo, Yeah. Uh another one that I, I will stick by. Uh oh god, now I can't even think of the name. It is Feudum. That's it. Thank you, Jess. Oh, I remember when that one was hot. Well done. You can teach that. Yes. Feudum and Race for the Galaxy. Those two I will I will go to the go to the mat on. Thank you. Thank you, babe. <laughs> I pre- and she texted me too. Yeah. All right. <laughs> but yeah. Um, but outside of that, I think I can pick apart every single teach that I've ever done. Oh, anyway. Yeah. Oh yeah, people find little mistakes in my teaches all the time. But you know what? At the same time, I feel like where my strength is, is yeah, even if I got a detail wrong, you can watch my videos and get a sense of how that game works. And you're going to be able to read the rule book and be able to find what you need. Like whatever mistakes I made, like there, you got an, a relatively accurate, um, yes, you know, understanding that's, of that game. That's 100% where I fall on that. You, you summed it up perfectly. So real quick, games we're looking forward to. So I, it sounds like I'm going to be doing a playthrough of Bloodstones from Martin Wallace here soon-ish. Probably it's not going to, so it's currently on GameFound, but we're not going to, they've had issues with getting their, uh, their physical prototypes like out there. Yeah. Uh, shipping has been a disaster and I, I, I think they're maybe down in Australia. So going from there, so a little grace on that, but, uh, hopefully while the pledge manager is open and Martin Wallace is, I'm always willing to explore a Martin Wallace game. I no longer am always super excited. Like, Oh God, I, I can't wait, but I'm always willing to explore it. And this is where that falls for me. So Bloodstones is coming soon, and I'm looking forward to that one. How about you? I'm basically dying of Gen Con FOMO, not because of Gen Con, but because uh, the production copy of Hoplomachus Victorum was in, and there were pictures, and other people got to see it before me, and I'm just dying of sadness. Um, I I'm convinced you just like like that game because you like saying the the word. How do you oh, say that? No, I just, oh, Hoplomachus. Um okay. If I wanted to be really weird, I'd be like Victorum, but Victorum is fine. Um, and I, uh, I'm so excited. I just love gladiators. I like gladiator stuff. Um, I've like written a little article series for my little blog about gladiator. I'm obsessed with them. I can't stop. So I loved the original Hoplo, and this new one. Uh, when I previewed it, showed every sign of being a massive improvement over the original excellent work. And so, um, I'm just that's high I'm, praise. I'm really that's that's yeah that's cool and all right i mean so what is old is new again is an apt title for this episode because somebody taught me to play republic of rome a couple weeks ago and i loved 
it and I have to learn the solo mode now because so I was what, really feeling it. What version of it? Was it the Valley Games version? We played one that was prettier, but I have an Avalon Hill version to play myself. Okay, got it. So I think the I think the Valley Games version is the prettier version. That's the copy that I have. I think I actually have them both, honestly. But how how was it with that uh, Republic of Rome? How was learning that and how because that's that's old school yeah so i was fortunately taught by an experienced player um so i had someone to like walk me through the steps and i would still need like, a guide like probably print something off bgg to like walk me through do this then do this then do this but i loved how messy it got so fast like fighting over who gets to be consul fighting over who gets to be the pontifex maximus which is like the high priest like oh my guy had i got somebody with a great military score so i had no problem getting consulates to go to war uh especially because it was early republic which means that um you know you have to go fight but you're risking your guys every time and also people start to get jealous because if you reach a certain popularity level then you win the game and everybody else is hosed and so that tension of like well we have to keep room going and my guy is clearly the best guy so i don't know what to tell you um versus like but she can't win oh it was so fun um you know there's like familiar families and stuff that come through so if you like the history it's very clear somebody who really loved roman history wrote that game and so a lot of the mechanisms actually intuitively made sense to me because like, oh, yeah, of course you would fight about that. OK, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, it, it really feels Roman in a way that like it just really delighted my heart so much. And well, I, we need to get together and play that at some point because that's on my bucket list of games, the shelf of opportunity, if you will, that I would love to play. And that's one that that's an event game. Like, how long did it take yeah. you all to play it? Oh God, forever! It was huge. Um, I know that. So I'm hope I'm trying to worm my way into an online group who's going to play this after they finish another large game, and I expect to be playing for two to three hours a week for several weeks to get through a bunch of it. That's awesome. I yeah. I hope it goes well, and I want to hear about it. That's yeah, yeah. That's that's awesome. Um, somebody mentioned uh, Struggle of Empires. Not quite. I mean, it's you're talking a. Uh, five, six hour game there, Struggle of Empires, the new version from Eagle we have, and we recently played, well, relatively recently played it. And we're currently trying to schedule when to get it, another pre-play of it before we stream it. And we have some folks uh, up in Maine that are going to make the trip down because it's their favorite game. And like, I want to, I want to get people that are really excited about it to stream this one. And, uh, that's another big one that, and that's classic Wallace that was really good. Heavy negotiation and just the reimplement or the the new version of it just knocked it out of the park. Just did a great job both in production quality as well as kind of it used to be only a five or seven player game, hard stop the end, Ooh. and now it plays at a wide range of player counts, including even numbers because of the way they developed the the grand alliances and i'm really excited for that one as well soon hopefully so awesome. these big games i'm i i'm it warms my heart to hear that other people are excited about these other big games that still exist and that they're still finding ways to hit the table yeah i actually have thought about doing an archival review series i guess is what i would call it like things that just aren't even in print anymore but i have them and i want to play them um like I, I got Do David it. Thompson. David Thompson sent me his copy of Ambush. 
I feel so loved. Um, That's and, amazing. And I also uh, picked up Radon Saint Nazaire with my birthday money this year. So this I've is, got. I, like, <laughs> I love this because I have an entire wall in the library back here, aka my closet, that uh, that is all old school war games that I, I desperately want to get played. So can you just seriously just find a way to. Yes, come up here, I hope so. Please. I hope so. Because I, I really like, you know, I think it's worth playing old stuff too. I don't know. I think about this. So my boyfriend loves video games. He's a video game guy. And he's got like a Raspberry Pi. He loves to play like retro stuff. And one thing I've noticed about myself is that I don't really like most retro games that much because I like more modern like story based games. I do like RPGs, but, you know, Asteroid or something like, eh, okay, it doesn't do it for me. Okay, um, that's a bit uh, Galaga, Miss Pac-Man. I, I do I'm, like I'm Galaga. For that. I do like yeah. Galaga. But right. um, I I find it really interesting like how games have changed over the years in video gaming. And it's just really obvious because you can see it in the graphics. And because those games are still available because you can download a ROM. Um, I'm always really curious about how would an older board game feel to me? Because I wasn't a Grognard in the, you know... 70s the heyday of avalon hill like i was not alive during the the heyday of avalon hill and so i'm always really interested like how would that feel to me as somebody who cut my teeth on more modern gaming um you know what is that like and what is good about it and you know i imagine it's harder for those of us that have come later and i'm including myself in that um and going back that because there's a certain level of polish that we have gotten accustomed to and i would dare i say expectation of that those don't have like i i remember a few months back maybe a year ago that reading something from mark herman on twitter about a the the new version of vietnam that he uh published and how he he actively is talking people out of buying that game because they're expect or he's worried that their expectation is going to be something that it's not. Whereas this is a monster. And that's just, that really flies in the face of where we are, where the hobby is currently. Even, uh, even when it comes to the war games, like I'm looking over here and we have like a, a a Navajo wars, right. And, or a Comancheria to where, even that is a big game and like the rule book is big. It's it's a lot. It, it is. It, requ- it requires work, right? Yeah. As opposed to your typical Euro that even a, you know, something bigger like a Vito Lacerda or whatever, those aren't nearly as much work as these. And this is at a whole nother scale of that, that I think going backwards in time like that, like even Peloponnesian War which I thought was amazing. I have the old school version, but yeah. now that the new one's there, it, it's really hard for me to want to go back and try that older one because the newer one, again, it has that level of development and polish that the old yeah. one won't. And I'm like, am I willing to make that kind of commitment to that? And yeah. Well, solo coin is about to evolve too because of the card system. Oh, so, sorry. Like, By the way, that was that was Pacific War, not Vietnam that that Mark <laughs> was talking about. Apologies. Thank you for the correction. <laughs> Peanut gallery. But no, yeah, just, um, yeah, 
I mean, these things continue to evolve and then the old ways, you know, go to the wayside and like it's that's natural and probably as it should be. But there's also always like a sort of curiosity about like, where were we before? What was it like? Please do it. Please. I would love to watch that. Um, And I'm like, I still have some some monsters in that in that room that I would love to tackle. But it's just it's such a it requires such dedication to de- to to delve into that it has to be all encompassing to be able to mm-hmm. treat it right um but again if this goes back to what you and I were talking about earlier it's your show that's what yeah. you want to do do it yeah yeah i just need to get, i mean my only problem is that school started so I come home and I've been emotionally vampirized for several hours and I have to like get it together <laughs> to do something else. So, but, so plan um, for it for next summer. I should. I should. Um, but, you know, I um, I just really, really... I, I sort of feel like this is also true of people who've done gaming media for a while. Like, you can either be somebody who's always chasing the new thing, but that's just not really my nature. I don't like it. I don't like feeling like I'm on a timeline. I don't like feeling like I have to compete with other people to get my video out early or, like, get the most views on the new thing. It just doesn't feel good to me. It feels stressful, and I don't want to feel stressed in my hobby. So I, I like to explore other ways to enjoy stuff, and I sort of feel like this is a natural evolution of, like, oh, well, I like historical games. Let's look at historical historical games <laughs> do and just see what happens i i uh, and and here's a little secret that uh i'm gonna just share between you and i and nobody else out there um people <laughs> actually i mean you look at our age of steam streams you look at our power grid streams or any of the older titles they're as popular there are exceptions anytime i do a splatter anytime i do a cole whirly like latest greatest those are huge but outside of those honestly if it's not something that's stupid hot like a huge to do the classic games get there there is a huge appetite for folks or from folks for those games so don't uh don't 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 shy away from that is what i'm saying i think i think folks will really really enjoy that yeah, I and I think there's also I, I think there's also a fear of like covering something that somebody can't just go out and buy because ah, I've gotten stop with that. chastised nope, about before. Nope. Stop but stop with that. I well I don't have to care about that anymore. Like I had to care about that when I was a dice tower reviewer. But now yeah, really? you did? Really? Well, it is implied. I mean, you know, oh. the, you know, you wanna you wanna cover things that people can actually play. If no, the ideas. So hold it. No, and here, and I feel strongly about this. Your job is not to be aware of what's out of print or what's in print. And you know what? Since you mentioned Dice Tower, uh, I mean, Tom always says, "Hey, if it's good enough, it'll get a reprint." So hey, that's true. If there's enough demand, it'll get reprinted. It happens. So you know what? No, it doesn't. And I'm not. I mean, there, there's always been a running joke. Oh, it's out of print. Heavy cardboard will cover it now. <laughs> and I'm fine with that because there are there are plenty of older games that are out of print that I want to cover that because I want to cover them. They're not always yeah. great. Doesn't mean I'm making people excited to go get them. I just want to be able to show them. And if you yeah. want to do it, don't just get rid of that thought. Please get rid of that <laughs> thought. 
Sorry, I feel really, no, really no. strongly about that. Well, I think that the process of having a channel, it's like a process of, well, it's kind of like teaching where you reflect and you toss things and you bring in new things and you just change every year. Um, I think having a channel is like that too. You have to just kind of think about, well, what's working for me and what's not, and then actually have the the determination to like keep leaning into what's good and lean away from what's bad even if it even and, if and lean good. into what you're passionate about and what you're excited about yeah but for me so that and that. good are the same thing <laughs> according to you but it for might me. not be for other people and so that's the important thing like here um the uh, people have told me oh the reason i quit the podcast or i quit doing the podcast was because oh it's not generating money no, it's not that. It's what I'm passionate about. It's it's I I it became a chore. It became misery. I, I just yeah. really wasn't enjoying it. And I've gotten enough feedback now that people really, really enjoy. So I'm reinvigorated about it. So I'm excited about it. And yeah. it has nothing to do with whether or not uh it's it's solely whether or not I want to and whether or not I'm feeling it. And, and, and this goes back to what we had talked about earlier, passion. It, it matters. Yeah. It really, really does. Oh, yeah. um, I mean, if I, if I want to make more money, I would do a totally different channel. <laughs> right. It wouldn't be board games. <laughs> no, no. I would have just done house cleaning or something. Or a cottage life. Yeah. Or, or like just, makeup. I don't know. Yeah. Makeup. Um, I don't know. Toilet humor does better than what I do. <laughs> Jackass type stuff. Like, yeah, yeah, it, yeah, no, totally. I wholly, wholly agree with that. Um, so Gen Con's going on right now. Uh, don't miss it. Um, Gen Con is one of my least favorite conventions of the year, so I don't miss not being there at all. Um, and the timing you said doesn't ever really work out for you with that. Nope. No, I would have missed the first day of school if I was at Gen Con and that's just bad for me. That, that seems bad for a teacher. Like, mm, not the day you want to miss. No, I'm going to take a personal day in December to go to PAX Unplugged ideally, but all right. that's cool. you know, that's, that's way into the year. And my students will know me and they'll know where to go and they'll know what to do. And it's just different. Hey, high five for adulting. Uh, Essen, I would say is maybe 55, 45. Yes. That Jess and I make it to Essen. I'm still, I have yet to be on a plane since COVID. And I'm just that and just I hear the horror stories of conventions and being sick and I don't know. So uh, PAX Unplugged, maybe those are the only two maybes that are possible for this year. Yeah, I think I have higher risk tolerance just because I'm traumatized from the fact that so, OK, currently the rule in my district is that staff has to wear masks, but students don't because I'm in Georgia. So, um, yeah, I basically... I've just kind of reached the point where it's like, well, if I was going to die, I would have died already. And I know that that's not healthy at all. I mean, I'm well aware and I like to mask around other people and I try to do my best with precautions, but my risk tolerance is higher because I'm already just, I don't really have a choice of to, about being around people. So my immune system hopefully is made out of steel at this point, maybe vibranium. <laughs> I, yeah, I, 
And the thing is, having kids, like, I feel like we have a responsibility to be responsible because of them. And it's just, yeah, I don't know. I I still, I'm, I'm, I'm not judging anybody that chooses to do it. You do you. Like, I still think that if you're going to a convention, wear a damn mask, right? Or if you're traveling on a plane, especially, that's why I feel so good about uh, the road trip. Like six of us in a car. Yes. We're going to hotels. Yes. We're going to restaurants. I get that. But we're not like in a airplane. Uh, and I that just makes me feel I don't know how I get there with that one, but we'll see. Yeah. Um, I did go to a convention ish thing a couple weeks ago. I've been like vlogging about it on my channel. Actually, I went to a I went to a reacting to the past game development conference. It's like basically think history LARPing for college classrooms. So I was at a conference with a bunch of professors trying out their classroom games. And then we played games at night, which is Highland Republic of Rome from one of the profs there. Oh, that's awesome. So that was not a classroom game, I take it. Okay. No, although actually we recorded a podcast about how you could make it one in some way. Um, so okay it was it was you know the upcoming things on the pod uh but yeah i actually okay i don't know what they were thinking but i think it worked out okay Uh, i got invited to this thing as the keynote speaker because of the podcast that's awesome (laughs) yeah so i like went to this conference and like tried i'd never played a reacting to the past game before but i was like um i was the dowager queen of granada and one of them like helping helping um try to keep as much dignity as possible while we were doing a handoff to spain and I was a horrible, racist, uh, pied-noir, French-Algerian person in another game where we were fighting about, like, the Civil War in Algeria. And in the other one, I was, like, a utilitarian who was obsessed with public education in 1940s Britain. And, like, I just had to do these different things. And it was very interesting, and it was fun. And I kind of need to do this in my classroom at some point. Or, like, maybe invite another school and make a little event out of it, because they have some that are, like, Roman, period. It was cool. That's I, I love see, and this is why I know you're like, oh, you get so burnt out and exhausted at the end of the day. <laughs> Not about the kids. I get no, that. No, it's never their fault. About about the school system and all of that. I understand that. But I gotta say, Liz, you <laughs> the the passion in which you you have for teaching, I think the world and I'm not trying look. I know you would like to get away from it at some point, but the world would lose a, a a a truly great teacher if you choose to go away from that. Because I think the just the excitement you have for this stuff and the way you're always trying to make learning fun, I think is amazing. I think that's so cool. Well, learning should be fun. I mean, okay, it can't ever be totally painless because sometimes you just have to think it through and it hurts your brain. But I don't know. I don't I think the way we've constructed learning in this country is so stressful. And that's just why, why this should be a joyful process and not something that is horrible. And it just bothers me that so many people associate school with pain um, and with stress. And, you know, I see more kids with anxiety every year. And I mean, I feel like part of it is just times changing because I have anxiety and certainly had it when I was in school and nobody just dodged pleasure with joy, um, with excitement and curiosity. Like anxiety kills all of those things. And Mm -hmm. it bugs me. Um, I'm so excited. I have Latin five this year. So I have like all the seniors in one of my classes. I got a class of 14 seniors. My other class are like 34 kids, you know, 32 kids. They're bumping. But I think it's amazing that they're wanting to take Latin. 
first off. Me too. I'm so delighted, actually. Like, you, it makes you tired, but you're also like, yes, at the end of the day. But uh, we got permission right. to watch I, Claudius. Uh, so I'm adapting, like, historical Roman texts for them so they can learn about Augustus, like, from Augustus and from Suetonius and all this kind of stuff. Uh, and we're going to, but on the, on Fridays, we're going to watch the show. So I'm, like, preparing them to understand who these characters are so they can appreciate just how campy and delicious the show is. Uh, I actually need to make sure I watch episode one before Friday because I need timestamps. I know there's, like, a tasteful boob shot somewhere in that episode, uh, and we need to make sure the children don't see it. Those 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 12th graders who have never seen such a thing. Um, <laughs> um but uh yeah um i mean i do have fun with my work it's just that honestly if there was such a thing as a board game teacher that paid i would probably be really happy or like some sort of educational (laughs) some sort of educational consultant who could go into people's classrooms and help them learn to game with their students like if that job was there i would want that job (laughs) i think you would be great at it i think that yes we need to make that happen uh, all right. Before we get out of here, uh, let's let's end it on a specific game note. Uh, best new to you game, relatively recently. What do you got? Okay, the whole planet played this before I finally played it, but I picked up Cascadia. Same. What a delightful game! What a delightful little game! It was so good. I recorded a review and I was like, I just have no notes. This is so good. <laughs> I when when we play we played it at uh lobster trap which is super little small little local convention and i was just so smitten with that i just i enjoyed that so damn much yeah i kept wanting to play it and then i was like i want to stream this why because i don't care that everybody and their mother is playing i don't care yeah because woodland creatures It was great. Yeah, I, I love it. Cascadia. My boyfriend never games with me, and I taught him that one. He was like, "This was pretty good. I'd play it again." All right, I'm gonna take it on family vacation with my parents in October because I know my parents will like it. I know my students will like it, and it was it was still entertaining enough for me as like the quote jaded longtime gamer. It's, there's there's a magic in that. Cascadia is so good. It really is. It's just. It really is great. It just I. Yeah, uh, yeah, I agree. Uh, for me, I was going to uh, end this on a fighting note for you. <laughs> it wasn't planned. Uh-huh. Let me preface that, okay? However, probably, uh, and I don't know that this is the best game, of, uh, new to me game that I've played of late, but it is, it's certainly one that I really, really enjoyed. Okay. And that's Aeon's End. It's a great game. Um, I agree. And I also have made the comment that I think it is in some ways scratches the same itch as Mage Knight, but in a much more, uh, don't look at me like that. No, it totally (laughs) does. Because the, the, the clever card play that you have in the encounters in Mage Knight is... The, what this game is about. So it takes that one main mechanism in Mage Knight and boils it down into its own kind of RPG-like thing. Mage Knight, for me, I can appreciate the greatness that it is, but it's too much. It, It's just, it's, it's, I, I look, I understand who I'm talking to. <laughs> okay. I understand what your favorite uh what your favorite uh, solo game is but for me this took one aspect of mage knight and made it into a wholly 
pleasurable experience and in a bite-sized piece that just worked for me. And I think, I think it did it really, really well. Does it replace Mage Knight? No, of course not. It's not grand epic scale that Mage Knight is, but just the, the card combinations and the clever puzzle of how you go about building up your deck harkens back to to mage knight and i just i think it's as as a standalone it's a great game and for me does a lot of what i want mage knight to do but in a much smaller bite-sized piece interesting i think for me and and just it just slots in with other deck builders and for me it's like best of deck builders which is a, a, a game format that i really like um but you know Maybe I should play it and think think about it your way because maybe you're right. I don't know. Like I haven't thought about it that I, way. It doesn't slot in my brain that way. Yeah, but that doesn't I, mean no. you're wrong. And why would you? Because they're they're completely different in scale in scope. I yeah. understand that, but I'm curious. And I very much respect your opinion on this. So I I would love for you to try Aeon's End again in any version of it that you want to play because the 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 idea is the same regardless. Yeah. The 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 core concept of the game. Give it a try with that kind of tilt in mind and see how you relate to it. And the next time you and I get together, uh, let's talk about that. I, I, I would like to. I think that would yeah. be a lot of fun. Well, also, I can give myself the homework of play Mage Knight. Oh, boohoo. And, uh, and then play oh, I know. Oh, oh, such pain. Um, so, you know, the, the thing crosses is... crosses we must bear. What you said, those every other version. So, okay, I feel like a bad Anzen fan, but, fan, but I think other people are the same way about this. I just can't handle any more expansions right now. I'm... That's funny coming from somebody who's coming off of uh, too many bones. I know, but they all don't feel different enough to me. I just feel like I'm getting the same game over and over again, but like more. And I don't necessarily feel that everything works together as well as I'd want over all the years. Um, okay. You know, if the expansion, if this is an expansion of too many bones is like a new character, but it's still really like the same, like you keep most of the same parts. Like most of the expansions, like Undertow was a two player version of the game with some water elements. Cool. This upcoming expansion is a big box expansion that I'm very curious about how I'll feel about it once I play it. Like I feel like jury's out, but I trust chip theory at this point, but like most of the expansions are things like, um, you know, they added a campaign. Made sense. Uh, add some new starter cards. Makes sense because those get repetitive if you play the game a lot of times. Ask me how I know. Um, you know, uh, the, the Gearlock expansions are like new characters that play really differently, but within the same system. So you don't have to learn a whole new game to do that. Um, the, and they're, they're not, you know, it's just like a little quick slot in. I feel like the Anzen end is just taking up so much of my closet at this point. It's like big box after big box after big box. Okay, And that's it's fair. like... Yeah when am I going to really appreciate all of this? Or like, do I have the mental capacity to appreciate all of this? Or should I just stop? And I'm noticing that with a lot of expansion stuff yeah, as well, that there can be too much of a good, like at some point I look, people like money. They do. So I get it. And people will buy it because either completionists or, uh more of this uh more of what they like is good but there does come a limit on both from a space standpoint as well as a a space up here in your head that you're like 
do I need more of whatever it is? No, probably not. But that that whether that's that's FOMO or whether that's just oh, you know, acquisition yeah. uh, disorder. Just yeah, there there gets to be a certain point, and I, I I'm guilty of it. I mean, look at it for like Age of Steam maps. Do I really need more? No. Do you? So I get that. Do you want more? I totally get that. <laughs> yes, but because at least, and maybe this is a justification that I'm selling myself on, that at least with Age of Steam, there's enough, like a tweak here might be something that I haven't seen before. Yeah. And so it makes it a new way of doing that, whatever it is. Yeah. And I don't know. But then again, more of the same of what you like also can be a good thing. I don't know. I don't know where to draw the line yeah. on that stuff. And I'm not going to. For me, it's emotional. It's like it's you're on that line between a feeling of excitement versus a feeling of obligation. So, for, you know, for me, it turns into like, well, you know, I said I really like this game and I do really like this game. But if I really liked it, wouldn't I want everything? And the answer is sometimes no, apparently. And I think that's okay. Yeah. Give yourself permission for that, right? Like, do I want every Age of Steam map? Yes. Do I need it? No. Nah. I have plenty. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so, I get that. All right. Anyway, I think that's that's long enough. What do you think? You got anything else you want you want to go on about? Um, no, I'm good for now. Good for now. Okay. Yeah. I think I think I'm good. I'm excited about the uh the road trip, I'm stupid excited for it. Like, I'm really nervous, but in a good way. Yeah. Um, And I love driving. I love seeing what's around the next corner. So I'm excited about that. I'm excited about uh, content. I I'm excited to play more John Company 2. Not trying to rub that in. Just just saying I'm excited. What What's a game you're excited to play in the next couple of weeks? Ooh. Do you have anything that you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm really looking forward to this? Um, I'm, and, I'm, and then we'll get out of here. I'm mid-review process for It's a Wonderful World and It's a Wonderful Kingdom, and I'm truly enjoying them, so that's really good. And then good. I'm going to treat myself to one of my old war games, I think, in the next couple of weeks, and I'm just going to have to decide which one. <laughs> okay, awesome. That's it. Uh, tell folks how to get in touch with you and how to support you and all that stuff. Yeah, I'm everywhere is Beyond Solitaire. So I'm youtube.com slash Beyond Solitaire. I'm Beyond Solitaire on Twitter, Instagram, Board Game Geek. Uh, I have a new Patreon at patreon.com slash Beyond Solitaire. Um, so, you know, if you feel like supporting me, that would be amazing. And then my podcast is Beyond Solitaire as well. I've, got, I've just got good brand consistency across platforms. If you can guess There's my email, said for cookie that. for you. <laughs> <laughs> all right uh so hey um so liz has agreed to do this on the regular uh so uh she's gonna be uh one of the rotating guests uh guest co-host how she's gonna be here uh every couple months or so yeah. so uh i appreciate i appreciate you willing to do this and this is fun and i am if there's anything that i can do uh on your end um let me know i'm happy to help i love having you i think you are a great human and I really, I really appreciate uh, all, both all you do uh, teaching wise as well as for the hobby. So, yeah, I, I am I am proud and lucky to call you a friend. So thanks, Liz. Yes, I mutual. This. I love like when you were like, hey, do you want to be on the podcast? That was an immediate yes, because we always just yammer. Honestly, I think if you just left us alone, we would just go. <laughs> 
probably would, but uh, but I I have food to go make and 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 pets to walk. So I am going to. I, I'm sure Lincoln and Cooper would appreciate that. So oh. hey, I appreciate you doing this. And on a, my end, uh, heavy cardboard. Uh, so there you go. You can consider supporting the show over on patreon.com forward slash HCHQ. Certainly appreciate it. Uh, it helps keep the lights on, help keep this going. And if you have feedback on the show, uh, hit me up, whether it's Twitter, over uh, the email, uh, contact at heavycardboard.com. Check out the YouTube channel, all that fun stuff. Be back next time. Uh, so I talked to John from John Gets Games. John's coming on. So looking forward to picking his brain about stuff and chewing the fat. So Liz, thank you for this. And uh, yeah, uh, good luck with the beginning of the school year. All right. Yes, I need it. So do those kids. No, I'm just kidding. It'll be great. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Y'all take care. Thanks, everybody. Bye, everyone.